Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we take a look at VAR and Africa. The technology hasn't been used much around the continent, but we hear from a FIFA referees instructor, Felix Tangawarima, who says that more countries in Africa should start using VAR. VAR is here to stay. Why am I saying so? Because it's now incorporated into the laws of the game. Also, we find out about VAR Lite, which can work with just three cameras in countries where there are financial constraints. And Tangawarima highlights how match officials can benefit if they are VAR trained. Referees may not have been able to go to the World Cup or Africa Cup of Nations as referees, but they can go there as VAR. That's coming up shortly, plus the Stewart with lots on the English Premier League. But let's start at the Under-17 FIFA World Cup, where France play Germany in the final on Saturday, while Mali play for third place against Argentina on Friday. Uh, Mali beat Morocco 1-0 in an all-African quarter-final and went down 2-1 to France in the semis. Pretty good showing that for the continent. Mali were runners-up in 2015. They finished fourth in 2017, and they've got a very good record currently in youth football. Also, the Women's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers continue. The final round of games are on at the moment for next year's finals. In the first legs, big wins for Tanzania, for Tunisia and for Nigeria. More on the WAFCON qualifiers on next week's show. Also, the CAF Champions League, the second round of group games, is on this weekend. In Group A, the African Football League winners Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa are aiming for two wins from two in the group stage of the Champions League. They play away to five-time champions TP Mazembe of DR Congo. In Group B, Juanang Galaxy of Botswana caused a huge upset last weekend, winning 1-0 away to Widad Casablanca of Morocco. Juanang play at home to Simba of Tanzania this weekend while Widad are away to Asik Mimosas of Ivory Coast. In Group C, Esperance of Tunisia and Petro Atletico of Angola won their opening games. Esperance are away to Al Hilal of Sudan. Petro Atletico away to Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia. In Group D, 11-time winners Al-Athli of Egypt play away to Yanga of Tanzania in what must be the standout game of the weekend. A huge crowd expected there in Dar es Salaam. And Mediama of Ghana are in the group stage for the first time ever. They lost 3-0 away to Al-Athli last weekend. This time they're at home to Siar Belouizdad of Algeria. Right, our main topic on Planet Sport Football Africa this week is the VAR, as the video assistant referee technology is being used widely in European football, albeit with huge debate and controversy in the English Premier League, where there is criticism week in and week out. There's limited use of the VAR in Africa because of the cost and because of the fact that most matches don't have cameras screening the games. So is it time for Africa to target VAR growth? Uh, That's our main focus on the show this week. Now, Felix Tangawairima is a FIFA referees instructor from Zimbabwe. He travels all around the continent training referees. He was here in Zimbabwe recently for three weeks, training elite referees and new upcoming referees too. He spoke to my colleague Ash Tikiwa about VAR in Africa. 
Okay, I'll start by saying VAR is here to stay. Why am I saying so? Because it's now incorporated into the laws of the game. As a country, Zimbabwe, we have to embrace the new technology. The consequence of us not, you know, taking up this challenge is that, for example, Africa Cup of Nations next year, we are going to start from group stage with VAR. And what does it entitle to your referees? If you don't have referees who are trained as VAR, they are not going to the Africa Cup of Nations. So what we have done as a zone, as COSAFA, we have actually spearheaded the training of our referees in the zone so that they are compliant with these requirements of VAR. We started a once-off activity in Zambia, Zambia the Cup Final, which was very important to them, and they insisted that they wanted a VAR. So we managed to bring the, the, the VAR in Zambia, the challenge was Zambia didn't have trained VAR referees. So I had to appoint referees from Egypt and the one from Ghana to make sure that game will go ahead. So this is a, a challenge. However, as a zone, we have some plans to, to train. We have already started. During this uh, Kosafa Women Challenge, you know, for Kosafa Women, we were training referees for VAR. As I'm talking to you right now, in this particular tournament, we had two Zimbabwean female referees who went through the training. Whom I can safe, safely say, come next year when they are listed on the panel, they are certified VAR referees. They are compliant. They have done the required training for them to be to operate with VAR. So that's some history. They're the first two from here. Yes. Okay. Yes, certainly they are the first two from here and uh, we we are happy that we have them uh, who, who can actually operate here. The other part again, you find out that referees may not have been able to go to the World Cup or Africa Cup of Nations as referees but they can go there as VAR because in VAR we are not looking at how competent you are as a referee on the field of play but we are looking at how good are you in analyzing the clips, in analyzing the situation how quick are you to give a decision when we talk about the referees, they may not, they may have failed to go to the World Cup because of fitness. But in VAR, we don't look at fitness. We just look at the intelligence of the referee, how he is able to evaluate the situation and they quickly make a decision. So that's FIFA referees instructor Felix Tango Arima, who travels all around Africa training referees and uh, saying there that VAR is here to stay and that Africa should embrace it. But uh, Ida, it's barely impacted the continent uh, so far. Steve, Africa's introduction to VAR on a mainstream level, it wasn't the most pleasant. You know, it's a few years ago now, but the memories of that 2019 CAF Champions League final abandoned for 90 minutes due to VAR controversy. Steve, those memories are still fresh. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, Morocco was the first African country to use VAR. This was at the 2018 CAF Super Cup in Casablanca. Then again in November 2019 in a local cup competition before it tried it in the top flight the following year. Africa had already seen use of the system in and around this time because it was used at the 2019 Afghan in Egypt. That was where VAR was used from the quarterfinal stage onwards. And in May this year... Zambia joined Morocco and Egypt on the list using VAR in a cup final. Now, there have been rumors that Ghana would become the first West African country to use VAR in its domestic league, but that speculation hasn't materialized at least yet. 
But Steve, I think South Africa can paint a proper picture of just where Africa is currently in regards to VAR. Now, this is a country that has hosted a World Cup. It has one of the top leagues in the continent, yet still hasn't integrated VAR into its system. Now, it has been working towards that next season, but, you know, one would be forgiven for thinking that it would be alongside the North African countries in this regard. But Steve, VAR has also been used in the CHAN. It's been used in the Women's Africa Cup of Nations, the CAF Women's Champions League, and the COSAFA Women's Championship as well. Yeah, so a very long way to go then. Uh, Now, the FIFA website says that two different VAR setups are currently permitted. There's the full VAR system, which uses at least four and up to an unlimited number of cameras, and VAR Lite, which uses four to eight cameras and requires the system to be fully operated by the VAR officials themselves. Um, So, either is VAR Lite something that leagues in Africa can target maybe? Well, Steve, let's first look at what it really is. So VAR can get very technical, and I really don't want to bore anyone with the complexities, so I'll try and make it as simple as possible. Basically, in a room with VAR full, you have three officials, right? So you have the video assistant referee, who deals with the main camera, and a three-second delay, And then you have their assistant who deals with the main camera only. So, you know, like a backup. And then you have the replay operator. In VAR Lite, you only have the first two. The replay operator is missing. Meaning that the two referees there need to be additionally trained and able to operate the system minus replay. So, Steve... It's a trade-off, right? Because on one hand, it's less costly because fewer broadcast equipment. I mean, there's one, for example, where the big VAR monitor that we're used to seeing, you know, the one that's become synonymous with the touchlines, is replaced with an iPad. But Steve, on the other hand, the capacity of the two officials needs to be bigger. So they need more training. Plus, with VAR Lite, there's no offside decisions. So that's sort of like the give and take that you have with these two. Now, in 2021, FIFA presented two different options of the VAR Lite. So there's one system that would use four to eight cameras, which is what you mentioned, while the other would use three. And IFAB, which is the football lawmaking body, it approved trials which then took place in Brazil, Poland, France, and Kazakhstan. So, of course, Steve, between the two, VAR Lite is definitely what leagues in Africa can hope to target, right? But many questions still arise. How suitable are the stadiums for installation, be it full or light? Steve, VAR makes sense for televised matches, and we know that broadcast deals are not a predominant feature, you know, of many African leagues. Most importantly, Steve, as we've said, it's costly. Estimates for installing VAR fall in a stadium fall between $150,000 to $200,000 easy. Now, let me give an example of the Kenyan League. One stadium can be shared by several clubs as their home grounds. Expecting them to share out those costs, that's impossible. It would never happen. Expecting the Federation or the Premier League to do it, 
that would also never happen. And there's annual fees on top of the installation. So, of course, there would be ways to recoup this, you know, maybe sell advertising in the video review. But, Steve, that can only happen if the games are being televised to a marketable audience. So it sort of brings us back to square one, you see. In my opinion, most African countries are a long, long way off, you know. A few years ago, I remember doing a story on the novelty of using locally made electronic football boards in the Kenyan League, you know. Steve, that's something that's quite normal in other parts of the world, yet it was still so new in Kenya. So that just goes to show where most African countries are in terms of technology. The thought is lovely. I mean, it's great for the few countries that will be able to do it. But I don't think it's practical right now on a wider scale. And Steve, it's actually not just Africa, you know, that gets to cry about expenses. The La Liga, for example, it doesn't have goal line technology. As a matter of fact, it's the only major European league without it. And the reason is that the league's president, Javier Tebas, well, he deems it too expensive. So, you know, to each their own priorities. Well, very interesting and clear points there on the situation in Africa. And Ida, there's another angle in that interview that we heard that uh, VAR training can benefit referees even if they don't have VAR in their country as they can get international engagements and can even get to represent their country at levels as high as the World Cup. Absolutely, Steve. I agree. You know, just because many African countries aren't able to house such a system, it doesn't mean that the people can't benefit, right? So federations should definitely go into overdrive to have their referees attend these trainings that will build capacity. I mean, it would help if after the training that the refs could get regular practice in their home countries, but sometimes we work with what we have. Now, let's look at the Qatar World Cup, for example. 18 of the 129 match officials were African. 11 of 12 African referees at the FIFA Women's World Cup were women. So there is progress on different levels. But VAR is an entirely different tool to what many African officials have been used to. South Africa, for instance, has only four trained VAR officials, and one of them, the well-known Victor Gomez, is now retired. They're down to three. I mean, you've heard what Tangawarima there said, you know, that in Zambia's case, they had to fly in officials from outside. So this does need to be on overdrive. The tools to gauge progress, Steve, are constantly changing. Before... It might have been to get an African woman to officiate a World Cup, right? Something that Mukasanga did. Now, we definitely still need more of that. I mean, that shouldn't stop. But there also needs to be focus towards VAR. Because, Steve, be it video assistant referee, be it goal line, technology is reshaping football, you know? And while the complaints can continue, they definitely will, I'm sure, I don't think they're going to change anything. So better to embrace the dynamics of change as they come in. Now, in every game, a team of three officials work in the VAR room, as we've said. And there's no reason why one of them can't regularly be African. 
Indeed, well, that's fascinating stuff. Uh, many thanks, Ida, asking for your views on social media this week. Uh, should Africa get more into VAR? So we heard there from Felix Tangawarima, a FIFA referees instructor from Zimbabwe. He travels all around the continent training referees and says that uh, as VAR is here to stay, more countries in Africa should start using the technology and that more officials should be trained as VAR officials so that they can get to go to officiate at major tournaments. We heard about VAR Lite, which can work with just three cameras in countries where there are financial constraints. So do you think that more countries in Africa should start using VAR? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think? Should Africa get more into VAR? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League, as Erling Haaland became the fastest player ever to reach 50 goals. You can follow us on X at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs there in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, what do you think about Everton's points deduction? Everton say they will appeal against the 10-point deduction that left them in the English Premier League's relegation zone after being found guilty of breaching profit and sustainability rules. They say they will monitor with great interest the decisions made in any other cases concerning the Premier League's rules, seemingly a reference to Man City, who are facing 115 charges of breaching the rules, and Chelsea, who are also under investigation. So we asked, what do you think about Everton's points deduction? And we start in the Gambia, where Sideko Suno says, I support the decisions from the Premier League because we need free and fair leagues and we need to stay away from this kind of breach of the rules in football. But I do wish Everton all the best of luck in their appeal against the 10-point deduction, says Sideko. Anismus Justin in Uganda says deducting points from Everton is not fair. I think they did it because they're a small club. Look at Man City. They haven't done anything about their case, and yet it's a similar situation to Everton, says Justin. Jay Ndungo in Kenya says Man City should face the same thing. Uh, then Musa Kamara in the Gambia says, I think uh, the rules should count for all teams uh, in the English Premier League and uh, now they should apply the same to Manchester City and to Chelsea, says Musa, because it's not fair in football if teams are not treated fairly. In Kenya, Main Kampf says Man City and Chelsea should have faced the consequences as well. And uh, finally, Endulk in Ethiopia took a look at the consequences, saying next season Everton will be playing in the championship as a result of the points deduction. Well, thanks so much for those comments. Always great to hear from you here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's go now to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Let's start with last weekend's big game, as it ended 1-1 between Man City and Liverpool, Stuart. Yes, but Manchester City led Liverpool for 53 minutes, but then that late equaliser by Trent Alexander-Arnold may prove to be very significant as the season develops. I mean, in the short term, it means that Manchester City drawing and Arsenal winning, and the Gunners are back at the top of the league table. Manchester City's goal was scored by Erling Haaland. It was his 50th Premier League goal, coming in 48 Premier League games. 
That's 15 games quicker than the previous record holder, Andy Cole, who scored his for Newcastle and Manchester United. But one caveat, Haaland takes penalties, whereas Cole scored his goals from open play. But Steve, it's good to see a local boy doing well. I know that some people think that Haaland is Norwegian, but in fact he was born less than an hour from Manchester while his dad was playing football in England. And one thing from that game which transcends football is that among the crowd at the Etihad was the father of Luis Diaz, who had recently been kidnapped and now released in his native Colombia. Great to see him at the game. Yes, so we'll see what that uh, does for the destiny uh, of the championship. Amazing scoring rate for Erling Haaland. Uh, What about Manchester United then? Uh, Good going in the English Premier League, but uh, not good results for them in the UEFA Champions League, Stuart. Well, after a shaky start to the season, Manchester United have now won five of their last six games, losing only to Manchester City in that time. And I read an interesting statistic about Eric Ten Hag whose record in his first 50 league games for Manchester United of 96 points in 50 games is better than that achieved in the first 50 games by Jose Mourinho, by Louis van Gaal, by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and even by Alex Ferguson. But it was two teenagers who stole the show in Manchester United's 3-0 win over Everton. And incidentally, the Everton supporters held up banners proclaiming that the Premier League is corrupt a reference to the points deduction. The two Manchester United teenagers were Alexandro Garnacho, who scored a spectacular overhead kick. It's only November, Steve, but surely we've seen the goal of the season. Watch it on YouTube if you haven't seen it. And then the other teenager, Kobe Meno. He's just 18. He grew up in Manchester, but with Ghanaian parents. Going back to Garnacho, he's 19 and he was being marked by Ashley Cole, who is twice his age. Ashley Cole is 38. Remarkable. Now, in the game, Rashford was clearly fouled in the penalty area and the referee gave nothing. The ref was sent to the screen and a penalty was awarded. Clear and obvious error. Thank goodness for VAR, Steve. Now, Steve, recently we were critical of Bruno Fernandes noting that Roy Keane had said he didn't have the character to be Manchester United captain. Well, last Sunday, United winning 1-0 and eventually awarded that penalty. And Fernandes, the United captain and normal penalty taker, picked up the ball and handed it to Marcus Rashford, saying afterwards, I knew that Marcus is low in confidence and I thought he needed a goal. And Fernandes was praised by manager Ten Hag, saying, just look, what a great captain Bruno is. He saw his teammate needed a goal and gave confidence to Rashi. A team needs that kind of leadership that the players back each other. I was wondering, Steve, if Bruno was actually listening to the programme and realised that he needed to improve his captaincy. But as you said, in the Champions League this week, United had a frustrating 3-3 draw with Galatasaray after leading 2-0 and then 3-1. And I'm afraid to say that the Cameroon goalkeeper Andre Onana was at fault with two of the goals. And, in fact, going back to 2018, Onana has made more errors leading to goals in the Champions League than any other keeper, seven in total. He's really under a bit of pressure at United just now. 
Yeah, and we'd expected uh, so much uh, of him as uh, fans of African football uh, as well. Yes, a tough times for Andre Onana. Uh, lots of other talking points uh, in the Premier League too, Stuart. Yes, Tottenham, runaway leaders of the Premier League at the start of the season, have now lost three consecutive games. There was that odd game at home to Chelsea when they finished with nine players. Then they lost away to Wolves, leading 1-0 into stoppage time, and then Wolves got two goals. And then on Sunday, Tottenham took the lead, but Villa scored two second-half goals to win that game. Tottenham against Villa had 18 attempts on goal, scoring one of them. Aston Villa had five attempts on goal and scored two of them. 18 chances and one goal. Where is Harry Kane when you need him? Well, Steve, since you asked, Harry Kane was playing for Bayern Munich, scoring his 18th goal in 12 league games. Tottenham certainly are missing him. To be fair, Tottenham have been unlucky with injuries and as well as having those two red-carded players suspended. But it's a time for Tottenham to dig deep to avoid slipping further down the table. And as I said, Arsenal took advantage of Manchester City drawing with a win themselves at Brentford, with Kai Havertz scoring in the 89th minute. Havertz is such a good player, but he's really never quite done it at Arsenal, so great to see him scoring. And we talked about Arsenal goalkeepers. With David Rea on loan from Brentford, and therefore ineligible to play for Arsenal against Brentford, Aaron Ramsdale was given the chance to play. He kept a clean sheet, but I suspect that Rea will be back between the posts for the next Premier League game. Burnley led West Ham until four minutes from the end, only to concede two late goals. This was a desperate result for Burnley, who set an unwanted English football record, the first team to lose their first seven home games at the start of a season. The Burnley squad simply doesn't look good enough and it's hard to see them surviving. And what makes those seven defeats even worse is that they scored first in three of them. Now, West Ham gave a Premier League debut to Devin Muamba, a 19-year-old London boy whose family are Congolese. He could be one to look out for. And Steve, poor old Joel Veltman, was so pleased with Brighton's win at Nottingham Forest that at the final whistle he took off his shirt and threw it to one of the team's fans. When he reached the dressing room, he realised that the shirt still contained the GPS tracker, which shows how much movement players have had during the game. So he had to go out, try and find the fan, tell him he could keep the shirt, but he needed the GPS back, but the fan was nowhere to be found. Now, we talked last week about the larger-than-normal number of injuries in the Premier League, and Newcastle was a good example of that, with 12 players unavailable for the game against Chelsea, to such an extent that when Newcastle named a 20-man match squad, they had to include four goalkeepers. Four goalkeepers, one playing and three on the bench. But Newcastle still had enough to beat Chelsea 4-1, a desperately disappointing result for Chelsea, who started the season badly, but having won their last two games, seemed to be turning it around. And the manager, Mauricio Pochettino, was far from pleased, saying, It was too easy to beat us. We looked soft in every challenge. We didn't look as if we were playing for anything important. And that's what makes me angry. And Chelsea's veteran Brazilian defender, Thiago Silva, slipped 
while making a back pass which allowed fellow Brazilian Joe Linton to score. Remarkably, it's the first time in 95 league games for Chelsea that Silva has made a mistake, leading to a goal. And then Bournemouth looked to be in relegation trouble, but successive wins have lifted them seven points above the relegation zone. And one of their goals was scored by Justin Clybert. Remember his dad, Steve? He was quite a player. But with Everton now in the bottom three, following the points deduction, Luton Town's 2-1 win over Crystal Palace leaves Luton five points above the bottom three. Many people would love to see them survive. But Crystal Palace, having now lost four of their last five games, are going in the opposite direction from Luton. Yes, a tough run of results for Crystal Palace. They play West Ham on Sunday. Big game of the weekend is on Sunday. That's Manchester City against Tottenham. Liverpool playing Fulham on Sunday and Chelsea against Brighton. Uh, Saturday's games, Arsenal playing Wolves, Brentford against Luton. And the late game on Saturday, Manchester United away to Newcastle. Uh, That's going to be a fascinating one. And a quick reminder of our question on social media this week. Should Africa get more into the VAR technology, given the cost and given the fact that not many countries in Africa are using VAR? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in... In Zimbabwe, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.